First Peter chapter five and verse eight. <clears throat> be sober or self-controlled, and be vigilant or watchful, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are ex experienced by your brotherhood in the world. But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Father, we love you, we praise you, and we bless you. We thank you for your blessed holy word and the anointing upon it. We thank you for our ears to hear your word, our hearts to receive it and our minds to be open to the glorious light of it. Thank you for utterance in the Holy Spirit to proclaim the truth of your word that makes people free. We thank you, Father, for spiritual freedom in a free country. We thank you that we're free to worship, praise, pray, speak, and teach your word without fear of retribution or reprisal. We thank you again for the blood of Jesus. We speak it, we apply it, and we sprinkle it in our lives and the lives of our families. We thank you, Father, that our faith doesn't stand in the wisdom of men, but in your power, the power of the living God. Thank you, as always, for utterance in the Holy Spirit for all of us to proclaim the truth of your word that makes people free. And we thank you that our faith doesn't stand in man's wisdom, but in your power, the power of the living God, and that the Holy Spirit teaches us and brings all these things to our remembrance whatsoever we've heard and shows us things to come. We thank you, we glorify you, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to talk a little today about overcoming setbacks. Overcoming setbacks in our lives. And, and you know, there's a, an old ball player uh, named Yogi Berra, Hall of Fame ball player, who made a statement, and he made a lot of statements. They, they actually call them Yogiisms. And they're, they're funny. You know, he had to know what he was saying when he said them, but he said it like he was silly. And, you know, he, he said some things that are, are funny. And one thing that he said was, it ain't over till it's over. And another thing he said was, if you see a fork in the road, take it. And, uh, you know, he had several other things. And, and of course, he, he's on, on the Aflac commercials, or he was, with that, you know, that duck and... And he said a few things on there that, you know, pertain to Aflac insurance. But he had a lot of yogiisms, but he, you know, he, he was a... And, and somebody told me they, that uh, cartoon character Yogi Bear was modeled after him. I don't know about that, but I haven't researched it or anything. But the one thing that he did say, and, and of course that statement makes some natural sense, you know, it ain't over till it's over. And, and that's true, nothing's over till it's over. I, I heard a... Uh, sports commentator or color color man say one time in a, in a game he said it looks like they're just going to have to outscore the other team and although that and that's how you win a game I mean you outscore the other team but I mean the way he said it I, I understood what he meant because you know one team would score a touchdown the other team would go down and score a touchdown and you know the last one with the ball was going to win but I mean he, he said it looks like they're just going to in other words they weren't going to play any defense but they're just going to score and outscore the other team but it didn't make any sense if you look at it in print but 
the, the nature of the game. And it ain't over till it's over is a statement that uh, makes sense, but it, you know, it's, it's kind of on the borderline of repeating itself. And it isn't. Nothing's over till it, till it ends. And like that, that, that old song, last one turns the lights out, right? Last one turns the lights out, shuts the door. Well, it's not over here in the natural realm or the spiritual realm until it's over. And, and setbacks in life happen, you know, in, in the faith life. And we have to understand that these things are going to happen as long as we live on this earth. The alternative is go on home. But, the, you know, right now we have things to do and we're going to run into some things. It's not, a, it's not a bad confession. It's a statement of fact. It's a statement of the word, really. And we see here in our opening, he says, the devil, like a roaring lion, goes about seeking whom he may devour, who he's allowed to devour. And if we allow him to devour us, he will. I mean, it's just common fact. Resist him steadfast in the faith. And if you look at this opening in the Amplified Bible, guess what it does? It amplifies it. It, it expands it so we can see a few more things here. It says, be well balanced, temperate, sober of mind, be vigilant and cautious at all times, for that enemy of yours, the devil, roams around like a lion roaring, in fierce hunger, seeking someone to seize upon and devour. Withstand him. Withstand him. Be firm in faith against his onset, rooted established, strong, immovable, and determined, knowing that the same identical sufferings are appointed to your brotherhood, the whole body of Christians, throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who imparts all blessing and favor, who has called you to his own eternal glory in Christ Jesus, will himself complete and make you what you ought to be. Establish and ground you securely and strengthen and settle you. Thank God. Thank God for that. No matter how long you've been a Christian and lived by faith, setbacks happen. Nobody can argue with that. It's a, it's a, it's a fact. How we respond, though, is, is the key to victory. How we respond to setbacks the, the, you know we, we may lose a battle but we're going to win the war we've already read the back of the book and, and these things that we're facing right now are temporary things look at 2 Corinthians we all know this scripture 2 Corinthians chapter 4 in verse 16 This is a vital, vital portion of Scripture. The heading here in this study Bible says, Seeing the Invisible. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, you know, and that stops some people right there in their tracks. Well, that's not a light affliction, brother. 
You know, you don't know what I've been through. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. How do you look at something that's not seen? Well, you look in the spiritual realm. For the things which are seen are temporary. Everything around us is temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The spiritual realm is eternal. Setbacks are temporary. They're in this natural realm. Spiritually speaking, uh, we're looking to eternity. We keep our sights set on eternity while we accomplish what we're supposed to accomplish here on this earth. Like I said, we, we may lose a battle. But we've read the back of the book. We win. And I know I make that statement all the time. Let's look at the back of the book. Let's see what it says. Revelation chapter 21. We'll begin with verse 1. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he'll dwell with them. They shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Now get this. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death. We win. No sorrow. Nor crying. We win. There shall be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write. For these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I'll give it the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I'll be his God and he'll be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, Sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now that ain't us he's talking about there. That's not born again, spirit filled, faith walking, tongue talking, armor wearing children of the king. That's cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and liars. That's none of us. None of us. We win. We've got the victory. The key is to live by the word, of course. That's what we always say. And it comes right back to that. If you look back at our text, 1 Peter chapter 5. I should have told you to hold your finger there, but we don't have to do that anymore since we've got it projected up on the wall. If you look back there at verse 9, Resist him steadfast in the faith. Now that word resist, of course, 
I want to give it to you in the Greek because you know we we know how to resist things, but the actual word and this will this will help us too because we can relate to this. It's antihistami. Strong's 436 in the Greek. And, and we get the word antihistamine from it. We know what that is. You take an antihistamine if you're all if your nose is running, right? It blocks the histamine. From anti against and histemi to cause to stand. The verb suggests vigorously opposing, bravely resisting, standing face to face against an adversary, standing your ground. Just as an antihistamine blocks, puts a block on histamine, and antihistemi tells us that with the authority and spiritual weapons granted to us, we can withstand evil forces. So we don't have to live in sin. We don't have to live in poverty. We don't have to live under the thumbs of the devil. Because we can withstand. We can resist. You resist him. Resist him steadfast. How? In the faith. Knowing that the same sufferings. And, and don't, don't get caught up in that word sufferings. The same things, the same trials, the same tests, the same things that others are going through. I knew we were supposed to suffer. Now, the same things, everything that people are going through on the earth, other Christians, in this brief period, the same things are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. So, resist him, it says. But may the God of peace, the God of all grace rather, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. That word perfect, don't get worried about that either. It's simply this. And it's not, uh, it's not the same one that we look at for mature, perfect. This is perfect. Yeah, it's spelled the same, but it's not the same word it's not used the same in the Greek it's katartizo uh, thank God we won't be tested on this Strong's 2675 katartizo to arrange set in order equipped, equip adjust and complete what is lacking make fully ready repair prepare the word's a combination of kata, which is down, and artios, which is complete or fitted. It's used uh, for the disciples mending their nets in Matthew 4.21 and for restoring a fallen brother as in Hebrews 13.21. So he's going to perfect us, establish, strengthen, and settle us. if we resist and we resist him through the word but it takes careful study and application of the word not just mimicking somebody else you know and that's the problem we see the problem we get into we hear somebody uh, somebody is you know on TV or you know 
you know, we want to just mimic everything that somebody, a great minister does. And it's good. The Bible tells us, follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. It's good to use them as an example, but not, not mimicking them. You know, that's what a mime does, right? They just go through the motions and, you know, we don't want to go through the motions. We want to carefully study it and apply it on our own. We don't want to say things because somebody else says them or, or do things because somebody else does them. We want to get it in our heart on our own. Each and every one of us. And in these situations too, we have to believe for his wisdom when setbacks and roadblocks come in our path. We have to understand how to get through these things, not always try to figure things out on our own. Here's a good Old Testament example. 2 Samuel chapter 21. Second Samuel chapter 21, beginning with verse 1. That's all right. Don't worry about it. Second Samuel 21. I might have written down the wrong one. If I did, it would be the first time I did it. I'll just read it. You have to take my word for it now because it's not up on the board. Up on the wall, rather. And understand this the way I'm reading it here. We're not going to turn around and do this same thing. But... I want us to see a couple points out of this. It's vitally important. Now, there was a famine in the days of David for three years, year after year. In other words, it went on for three years solid. It didn't stop year after year. And David inquired of the Lord. And the Lord answered, It is because of Saul and his bloodthirsty house because he killed the Gibeonites. His bloodthirsty house. Uh, house of bloodshed is another way to put that. Now, understand a couple things here. We're looking at this as an example. We're not going to run and say that's a generational curse. You know that's one of my pet peeves. You might believe in it. Don't uh, you know that's your business? But I don't. I, I see too much in the Word. It tells us we don't have to be concerned with. You know, if you're somebody in your family was an alcoholic, that doesn't make you one automatically. You're under the blood of Jesus on your own. Not under because of your parents or your grandparents or anybody else. But that, that's another story. I want us to see, to read on here and see what this says. So the king called the Gibeonites and spoke to them. The Gibeonites were not of the children of Israel, but of the remnant of the Amorites. The children of Israel had sworn protection to them, but Saul had sought to kill them in his zeal for the children of Israel and Judah. Therefore, David said to the Gibeonites, What shall I do for you? And with what shall I make atonement that you may bless the inheritance of the Lord? And the Gibeonites said to him, We will have no silver or gold from Saul or from his house, nor shall you kill any man in Israel for us. So he said, Whatever you say, I'll do for you. Then they answered the king, As for the man who consumed us, and plotted against us that we should be destroyed from remaining in any of the territories of Israel. Let seven men of his descendants be delivered to us, and we'll hang them before the Lord in Gibeah of Saul, whom the Lord chose. And the king said, I'll give them. But the king spared Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, 
the son of Saul because of the Lord's oath that was between them, between David and Jonathan, the son of Saul. So the king took Armoni and Mephibosheth, the two sons of Rizpah, the daughter of Ai, whom she bore to Saul, and the five sons of Michael, the daughter of Saul, whom she brought up for Adriel, the son of Barzelia, the Meholathite, and delivered them into the hands of the Gibeonites. And they hanged them on the hill before the Lord. So they fell, all seven together, and were put to death in the days of harvest, in the first days, in the beginning of barley harvest. Now Rizpah, the daughter of Ai, took sackcloth and spread it for herself on the rock from the beginning of the harvest until the late rains poured on them from heaven. She did not allow the birds of the air to rest on them by day, nor the beasts of the field by night. And David was told what Rizpah, the daughter of Ai, the concubine of Saul, had done. Then David went, took the bones of Saul, the bones of Jonathan, his son, from the men of Jabesh-Gilead, who had stolen them from the street of Beth-shan, where the Philistines had hung them up. And the Philistines had struck down Saul and Gilbo. So he brought up the bones of Saul, the bones of Jonathan, his son, from there, and they gathered the bones of those who had been hanged, they buried the bones of Saul and Jonathan his son in the country of Benjamin in Zela, in the tomb of Kish his father. So they performed all that the king commanded. And after that, God heeded the prayer for the land. Now, what we need to see here is not, well, they got, you know, the, it was a problem from something before. Yes, it was. It was a problem from something that Saul had done. It was a three-year famine. But the key to what we need to see here is that David inquired of the Lord. That's clear up here in the first verse. In other words, uh, he made his, you know, he was speaking the word. He was making his confessions like he knew to do. But there was a roadblock there, a setback. Now, I, I don't know why he waited three years or what the, you know, it doesn't go into that, but it says he inquired of the Lord. And the Lord immediately told him. He said it's because of Saul in his bloodthirsty house or his house of bloodshed because he killed the Gibeonites. Now David probably scratched his head and said, what, what, you know, because he, he said he called the Gibeonites and spoke to them. And then everything uh, went in order here. And we see in the last verse, after that, God heeded the prayer for the land. Now, if you've, if you've stumbled on a roadblock or, or something somewhere, some kind of a setback, you don't need to wait three years. You don't need to worry about generational curses. I, I guarantee you, 100%, the word of God does not say that you're responsible. Look at Galatians chapter 3. Verses three, uh, 13 and 14. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. So you don't have to worry about anything that Saul did or David or your parents or your grandparents or, or, or anyone in your past. That's why we can pray for this country. People say, this country's washed up, it's gone, it's down the tubes, there's too much sin, too much violence, too much drugs, too much of this, too much of that. We live here, and we're not under the curse. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. 
that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So as long as you stand in faith, you're not under a generational curse. 2 Corinthians 5.17 is another one. It says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So don't look at this opening here that we looked at for the reason of, well, there might be something in my past. Look at it for the idea that he inquired of the Lord, that he went to the Lord for wisdom, that he went to the Lord for knowledge. Like I said, I don't know why the three-year span, maybe, maybe it was something else in there. It doesn't say, but let's not concern ourselves with it and let's not get in fear. Don't get in fear and say, well, you know, I prayed. Now, maybe I have to wait three years like David did. Maybe it would be more than that. He could have given up. He could have quit. But he didn't. The prayers didn't drive out the famine. But he, he, he was praying incorrectly, if you want to think about it that way. And we've talked about this before. We have a New Testament promise that we can ask God for wisdom. Look at James chapter 1. You know, maybe you've been running up against something for a period of time. Let's start with verse 1. James, the bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. My brethren, that's us he's a talking about. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Yippee! No, not joy for the trials. Joy because you're going to achieve something here. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience or endurance or perseverance. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect or mature. There's our word mature. That's not perfect, it's perfect. Perfect, incomplete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, therefore, in other words, if because of these trials or whatever, you, you know, you're, you've run up against setbacks, you've run up against roadblocks, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, or Reproach means finding fault. Originally to behave in a very juvenile and immature way, describing youngsters who make fun of, tease, and taunt each other. Then the word became to denote mocking, ridiculing, scolding, insulting, and using words angrily or sarcastically. James 1.5 assures us that God gives without reminding us of our unworthiness. We aren't unworthy. We're new creations in Christ. We're the righteousness of God in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21 If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask. Let him ask of God. Let him inquire of the Lord like David did. Who gives to all liberally without reproach and will be given to him. But let him ask in faith. Here's the key. With no doubting. King James says without wavering. For he who doubts or wavers is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose he'll receive anything from the Lord. He's double-minded and unstable in all his ways. So when you go before the Lord for wisdom, ask him for it in faith, believing that he's going to give it to you. 
in a certain area. Not just, well, I've tried everything else. Let's try for some wisdom. We'll roll the dice. No, that's not the way it works. Ask in faith, not wavering. We've got to overcome the habit of quitting. Quitting because of temporary setbacks. And I don't mean any of you. I'm talking about we, all of us, the body of Christ. It's not over until it's over. Christ didn't quit. If he did, we wouldn't be in this building today. In fact, probably uh, people would have made a mess of things long before now, right? Look at Matthew chapter 26. We've got time. Good thing he didn't quit. I mean, he was in a fleshly body, wasn't he? He knew what he was going to go through. I mean, some, some people, some Christians in their faith walk don't even know what's ahead of them and they're ready to quit. Matthew chapter 26, verse 36, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He then went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. If it's possible, uh, let's do this some other way. You know, I, I, I'm not going to quit, but, you know, this is tough. No, he said, Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. Said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, O oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away again, and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise up, let's be going. We're going to push on through. Rise up, let's be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Judas was on his way. It's up to us to remain steadfast in the faith. It's up to us to resist. You resist the devil. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. We know this one. We know it. We've been over it. We've studied it. Most of you probably have it memorized. But let's read it. Ephesians chapter 6. Beginning with verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Not of yourselves. Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. 
That power word there is kratos. 2904 in the Greek. Dominion, strength, manifested power. The word especially signifies exerted strength, power shown effectively in a reigning authority. A reigning authority. Dominion, strength, and manifested power. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the dominion, strength, and manifested power of his might. That's how we operate. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemings of the devil. For we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. There's that word again. Resist. Only it's, it's withstand here. It's the same word. Antistemi. Withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. Therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, Above all, taking the shield of faith, which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the enemy, the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always, with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, or all kinds of prayer. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which... I am an ambassador in chains that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. When it's all over, we win. We win. We've already looked at Revelation chapter 21. We're victorious. 2 Corinthians 2.14 Same thing. We, we go over this a lot too. Thanks be to God who always not once in a while not occasionally, always leads us, you know, if we're willing to be led, if we're willing to be strong in the power of his might and dominion, who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Thank God. Thank God for it. Look at Hebrews chapter 12 and we'll close with this. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. And that word endurance switched out with patience sometimes. Looking unto Jesus not unto ourselves and unto, unto our own strength, but unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the, uh, of the throne of God, for consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. We'll all run into setbacks that seem like roadblocks in our faith walk. How we respond is vital. Do we cower under and quit? Do we operate in the power of his might? 
Do we press on like Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith? It's up to us. It's our choice. It's our choice. But it ain't over till it's over. And we'll make the right choice. Father, we love you. We praise you. We glorify and we bless you. We thank you for your love as always. Poured out in our hearts by your Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for your word. We see things clearly in your word. We know that at times we've prayed and prayed and done things and, and not understood. Not understood why things are happening. We've even made the statement, why is this happening to a wonderful Christian like me? What We know, Father, that at times we need to, to, to just come before you. Look at it and say, Lord, I, I need some wisdom here. You tell me how to pray. You tell me what to do in the natural realm. I know we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But against principalities, powers, rulers, the darkness of this world, wicked spirits, and the heavenlies. And so, Father, we know that it's it's them that we stand against. And when we've done all to stand, we'll stand with the full armor of God, praying always with all kinds of prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching with perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Thank you. Thank you again for utterance for those who bring the message of the gospel the full gospel Father we honor you today and we glorify you we thank you and we bless you we thank you as always and we cast the whole of our cares all of our anxieties all of our worries all of our concerns onto you For you care for us affectionately and care about us watchfully. We'll not take them back. And thank you for taking them. Father, we thank you for your healing hand you've stretched forth in our midst. That signs and wonders are done by the name of your holy child, Jesus. Thank you for divine health, healing, preservation, and welfare. We continue to believe you for it. We thank you for it. We walk in it in Jesus' name. We thank you for abundant provision, Father, that you've provided all of our need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Any tongue that rises in judgment against us will condemn, for this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and our righteousness is in you. So, Father, we thank you. You're the strength of our hearts and our portion forever. We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. So we honor you today. We bless you. And we stand. We resist the devil. And we know he'll flee. As in terror. Thank you for the privilege. Thank you for your word. In Jesus name. Amen. Shall we stand?